You're listening to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hey guys, Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. I got to say, I wish I was Tyler tonight drinking that high dollar whiskey there. Tyler, tell us about this whiskey you're drinking right now. Oh, I got a little uh, Johnny Walker Blue here tonight to celebrate the end of the season and talk some good football. So I'm uh, bringing up the good stuff for tonight's podcast. Is that really why you're drinking that right now? Well, I, as many some of you know, I'm getting married here in a week and uh, got a little present today, so I decided to crack it open for the a night with the cousins. Well, congratulations for getting married, Tyler. We're all happy for you here. But uh, yes. hey, man, we, we got a fun show planned for tonight. We'll be recapping the 2018 Husker season. Uh, we'll be doing it in various categories. We'll also get into the college football playoff teams that the committee selected on Sunday. Uh, But before we get into that, last week we talked a little bit about the Big Ten coaches and media naming DiCaprio Boodle and Mo Berry to the All-Big Ten defensive teams. But after our podcast was posted, the All-Big Ten offensive teams were named. Uh, So tell us about that, Derek. All right. I I think most of it is probably where a lot of people anticipated being. Uh, The coaches uh, voted Morgan second team, Spielman third team. With honorable mentions going to Zigbo, Martinez, and Hymas, which kind of surprised me a little bit. But uh, the media voted in Morgan's second team, Spielman third team, on Zigbo third team. Martinez, honorable mention with Hymas and Bo Wilson, both in the honorable mentions. Uh, there, there seemed to be a lot of fans a uh, little perturbed, I guess, uh, about Martinez only being an honorable mention. Uh, Haskins McSorley got first and second team respectively, and the third team was Patterson on one and Blau on the other. Uh, me personally, I, I doesn't bother me. He, he had a hell of a year for a freshman. No, that's the other one everyone seems to be up in arms about is that he didn't win the Big Ten freshman. But I, I think there's an argument that could be made, but Rondell Moore deserved it just as much. So it is what it is. Tyler, did you disagree with anything you heard right there? No, I, I think it's right. I mean, you know, Adrian Martinez had a special year, but I don't know if there was a freshman in college football that was more exciting than Moore. I mean, he, he captivated probably the whole country, made Purdue relevant. Um, he was a special kid. I, I think I, I think they got it right. Yeah, I, I do too in the end. Yeah, it sucks. You know, Adrian Martinez, we wish he would have done better Husker fans certainly thought he was deserving of it. But in the end, the guys that beat him out, they were good football players too. So, uh, But he's got a lot of time to make that list. Uh, let's get into the 2018 season recap. And uh, we're going to start off the first question here. Uh, for two years in a row, we've gone four and eight. So, Derek... How much better was this 4-8 season over last year's 4-8 season? Ah, obviously, looking at the record, you can't. I mean, it's a, it was a terrible season again. Uh, by the feeling of this season compared to last season, I thought it was a lot better. Like, I, 
we, we lost by an average of 12.25 points a game. If you take away the Michigan game, we only lost by a touchdown a game. Uh, last year, man, we lost by 21 points per game. This was kind of a, a cross between last year and 2015. We had we had some blowout losses that really sucked, especially Michigan. Uh, people say uh, Wisconsin and Purdue were blowout losses with 17 and 14 points, which I mean that's definitely borderline blowouts. Uh, the rest of the games were all within five points at most, and considering we beat or lost to Northwestern and Ohio State, who played in the conference championship. By a total of eight points, I I don't want to say it was a su- successful season, but one thing we wanted to see this season was from the start of the season to the end of the season, we wanted to see improvement, and that is something that I do believe we've seen. So in that in that aspect, I think it was a little bit successful. Although you can never call a four and eight team successful. So if you, if you want to just kind of put a little bow on it, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Tyler, do you agree? Well, I mean, I do generally agree with what Derek's thoughts are on this. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at this season, you know, Derek, you hit it. You know, one of my big points is this season reminded me of the 2015 season. We had five losses by five points or less. Very, very similar to that first year with Mike Riley. Um, I, I think where, you know, where I have a little bit of, uh, you know, frustration is, you know, there's a lot of Husker fans that are like, Man, look at this season, and and they're kind of like surprisingly prideful in this year, and and and, and I I mean this no way on a, an indictment on Scott Frost and what I think he will bring to Nebraska. I think he's going to have lots of success, multiple national championships, um, rule the West for years to come. But he's not there yet, and nor would I think he would be. But this was a disappointing season. I mean. Not one of us thought there was a shot we could miss a bowl with that schedule, as bad as it was. We had a lot of winnable games on that year season. And and for the most part, you, there was a lot of this team that did not improve throughout the year. Um, we, we struggled in a lot of areas. And I, I, I think you look at this, Derek, I, I don't know if I agree with the sense that we got better. I think our offense sure as hell got better as the season progressed. Um. I, I don't know if the whole team did. I mean, we played our easiest games towards the end. We won the games we should have won, and 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 that's what happened. How, how do you figure we played our easier games in the second half? Are you going to sit here and tell me Colorado, Troy, really even a six and six Purdue team, uh, the Wisconsin game that one that was supposed to be such a big heavy hitter was a seven five team, Northwestern who won the division at eight and five, like. These guys, the first half of that schedule wasn't that daunting compared to the second half. The second half, I mean, we played a six and six Minnesota team. You conveniently left off Michigan. Okay. (laughs) But we also played Ohio State in the second half, who was better than Michigan, obviously. And we played them a hell of a lot closer. Well, I I think, okay, first of all, discounting Northwestern like that's a throwaway game when they won the West and ended the season ranked is probably not fair. I think in comparison, would I take Bethune, Cookman, or Troy? Well, I'd probably take Troy in that matchup. Okay, okay, but you yeah. know what? Those are both games that you should win. Neither one of them are anything other than you should have won. Okay, fair. And I and I guess we lost, so you could make the argument that we're better. But I definitely think Bethune, Cookman is a much weaker game than Troy. Illinois... 
I think is a weaker game than Colorado. Really? Colorado um, finished five and seven last in the South of the division, two and seven in their in their conference. That doesn't scream a good what, team what, to me. What did oh. Illinois finish? Four and eight. So, oh, I'm sorry. Colorado's much better. They had one more win than Illinois. Yeah, that was much better. In a weaker, or even in a weaker uh, conference. Well, Illinois is in the Big Ten West. It's not like they're I'm in not talking the division. I'm talking there. about conference. I'm talking Big Ten over I, I get that, but they, I, Illinois isn't playing, you know, like the, the gangbuster of all schedules. I, I just think... You go into the season, okay, I'll give you Colorado Troy week games, but you look at Purdue, I thought Purdue was going to be a tough game going into the year. I thought we were going to lose against Northwestern, I thought we were going to lose against Wisconsin, and I thought we were going to lose against Michigan at the beginning of the year. So, of those first five games, the only two games that really are shocking to me is Colorado and Troy. I mean, I think I expected us to beat Minnesota. I expected us to be Illinois, and I, I mean, Bethune-Cookman, they obviously got added. I mean, I, I think that you look at this stuff, and man, I, I, I don't know if I saw a lot of progress on this team. Alright, so, my take on this season from start to finish, and this is the entire season as a whole, is, it was an unimpressive season. Four and eight, uh, sure, we they didn't quit down the stretch, they kept fighting, and they Got some wins there towards the end. Starting out 0-6 wasn't a good thing. And I'll just say, you know, those games against uh, Colorado and Troy, they should have been wins. Uh, we we didn't play great. Uh, got blown out by Michigan. Uh, you can say what you want. We pretty much we got blown out by Wisconsin and Purdue as well. Those were basically three touched at three score games. Uh, one was a two score game. One was a three score game. But. but but you know what? It it was a three score game up until towards the end. I mean, say what you want. They they those were blowouts. Uh, they didn't quit. And I, I just kind of think you know, last year's four and eight season, it ended terrible uh, under Mike Riley. But you know what? How much of that was to the players quitting, the coaching staff quitting? Everybody quitting because they knew that they were fired. You know, I, I just kind of think that. <clears throat> well, if, if that year, was if that if that was their attitude in the second half of the season, I'm damn sure glad they're gone. If they just well, gave I if mean, they just gave up and said screw it, we're gonna get fired anyway. Let's not try anymore. Then good thing they're of, gone. I'm I'm just I'm just throwing that out there that you know maybe they knew because Scott Frost had already come to. Or they'd already met Scott Frost. They they were aware of what was going on, and so if they knew that they were getting fired, you know everybody just quit. Uh, this season it did not happen, which is a very good sign for the uh, for next year and moving down. But overall, this it was not a great season, and I'm so tired of people saying it's like making it sound like this is such a great season and such a huge springboard and like watch out for the Huskers. I okay. That, that's that's. I love your optimism, but what are you basing that off of, Tyler? Well, and, and and I'll just piggyback off that. You know, people are acting like this season we took a giant step forward, and and, and is this year better than last year? Yeah, it is. But like, that's like saying like, oh, I found stepped in some dog instead of dog shit. I stepped in cat shit. Well, you still stepped in shit. I mean, it, it, it's still not a 
good thing. Um, you, you go four and eight. I mean, yeah, were we better than last year? Maybe, but I mean, barely. I mean, is I mean, you can make the argument that this team was worse than last year's team. You can make that argument. We lost by yeah. twenty-one points every loss. Every game we lost, we lost. We lost by twenty-one points, and really, that that total could have been a lot worse if uh, Oregon hadn't let off the gas and we didn't come back within a touchdown of them. Because if you remember, we were down forty-two to fourteen in that game, and that was before the players quit. Well, I, I also think you look at one of our victories this year came against a Bethune Cookman, which Nebraska should never be playing. If would we have beaten Akron? I mean, who knows? I mean, I know there's still people out there that feel like if we played Akron week one, you better look out. Nebraska went undefeated, but um, <laughs> I, I, I don't see it. I mean, Akron went and beat Northwestern early in the year. I mean, I, I don't know what happens in that game, but I, I think that Bethune-Cookman does barely even counts as a victory. All right, well, well, congratulations to the 2017 team that beat up on, uh, what was it, South Alabama we won by a touchdown. Yeah, that was an impressive win. That was the first game of the year. I mean, I think they had a pretty good year, though. Overall, they were. Uh, did they not win their conference? Well, Bethune Cookman was second in their division, in their conference. So, by all rights, they had a pretty good year too. All right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not going to compare an FCS school to an FBS school. <laughs> I mean, I, I know you're I know you're hurt by the fact that. Uh, uh, that we disagree with you thinking. No, I, Dustin, I'm used to you disagreeing with me. I could tell you the sky was blue and you'd argue with me. Well, you wouldn't say it was blue. You'd say it was green and you'd be wrong like you usually are. But. <laughs> Whatever. All right, so, okay, let, let's move on from this conversation. Let's talk about what areas did we see improvement on as the season wore on. Tyler? Well, you know, I, I kind of hit offensively um you know through the michigan game we were 106 in the country offensively and we ended the year 27th in the country offensively i i I think you look at how much better uh, in total offense i think you look how much better offense started playing um i i would say that is probably the area where you saw the most improvement um our offense started clicking across the board uh, we got Divine Zigbo rolling off at the line, started playing a little bit better. Agent Martinez clicked. Very impressive. Derek? Uh, I, I have a lot of them, but I'll start with probably, to me, the biggest one was Pickering. The guy started five for nine on the year and ended, finished the year nine for nine. Like, the, the dude was so unreliable, we probably lost a game against Northwestern because we were afraid to kick a field goal. To the guy who won us the Michigan State game because he was the only thing, the only thing that could get some points. Uh, the, the guy improved. Like you, you could say he didn't. You can say whatever, but I mean, you, when you go five for nine and nine for nine in the second half, I, that's a big improvement to me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, penalties was another big one. I thought. You know, we started yeah. off the year averaging ten point two yards or ten point two penalties a game. And finished off the season with 5.2 in the last half of the season. Like, that was a big improvement. Yeah. I'll let Tyler Tyler throw another one in so I don't take them all. Well, you took my penalties one. So I kind of did a breakdown like that too, Derek. In the month of September, we averaged 10.5 penalties. October, it was 7.5. November, it was 5. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean that 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 was significant improvement. We ended the year with three penalties against Iowa. I mean, that was an area of a disciplined team that got much much better. Um, I and, and I don't know, Justin, you want to get in here on what you thought? I don't want to take all of them either. Yeah, a couple more. The only one that I was going to say is something that I'm sure you guys were going to say is special teams. The special teams got better as the season went on. Uh, they were atrocious in every aspect there. You talked about pickering their kicking. Uh, but, you know, the punting, you know, uh, Caleb Lightborn gets benched. Uh, Armstrong comes in and, you know, we're not going to have a 10-minute discussion on the punter again, but he excelled at punting. The kickoffs, they got better with Caleb Lightborn when he wasn't doing it. The punt returns got better. The kickoff returns. Everything in special teams. It took a while to do it, but it got better. Derek, you're disagreeing. I I agree on everything but the returns. We'll get into that later. Uh, Okay, but overall, the special teams improved from start to finish. Maybe not perfect in some aspects, but I I feel comfortable saying that special teams got better. uh, Another one I think we got better in was turnover differential. We started the yeah. year at minus seven in turnover differential, and we finished the year at plus five. I mean, it's an area where we got better. The defense started taking the ball away, and that was a big deal. And you could say about the who we played, but that had a lot of the reason why we started winning games when we when the defense started taking the ball away, and the, the offense start, stopped giving it away as much. Tyler? Well... You guys kind of took my last two there um, with special teams and turnovers, but um, yeah, so that that was basically the ones I uh, that that's basically what I had for the biggest areas of improvement throughout the year, without being the individual perform individual uh, players. Derek, uh, one other that I thought was better was uh, the offensive line blocking. There was a part of the first part of the year where we were like, "Man, this offensive line is terrible." And I, th- I think as the season went on, I think they got better. And after they benched Cole Conrad and claimed he was injured, just like they did last year, uh, and we put Bo Wilson in there, <laughs> hey, the, the offensive line got better. They got more consistent. They started getting some push. They just, I, I think the offensive line got a lot better as a whole. All right. So, were there any areas that you would have hoped that there would have been more improvement by the end of the season, Derek? Uh, I'm going to talk about two of them that you talked about improving, and that was punt return and kickoff return. <laughs> Those are the areas I don't agree with you on. We did not get better. Those were atrocious throughout the whole year. I hoped they would get better. Uh, we had, we were 61st in punt return at 9.38 uh, yards per return. But you realize that 77 of, the yard, of our 150 yards that we got on punt returns was on one returning as Bethune-Cookman. Uh, yeah, that, that's why I said it improved. We actually had a there, really good there was return. one good punt return against a team that, as Tyler says, we shouldn't have been playing. So is that improvement? No, that's improvement to me. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so we without that one without that one punt return, we had uh, four point eight six per return, which is still improvement from the, the first few games. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Uh, kickoff return, we were 125th in the nation with 50, 15.8 yards uh, attempt. That that was one area that the blocking schemes weren't good. 
I don't know. I, I don't know about the return men. I, maybe they were right. Maybe they weren't. Uh, we got penalties, at the, especially at the beginning of the year. That's one thing we did improve on was was penalties on the returns. At the beginning of the year, it was like whole, every time we had a return, it was a penalty. We did get better yeah. in that aspect of it. And that's the only reason maybe you, you know, the yardage might have went up a little bit because we, we weren't that's going true. back negative 10 yards every time. Yeah, great point. Tyler? Well, I, I think if, if I was going to pinpoint one of the things that I did not improve as the season went on, it would be pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. You know, for the through the first two games, uh, you know, Nebraska had 10 sacks. We had seven in the first game. We ended the year with 25 sacks. That's a sack and a half per game. Uh, for the rest of the year. I mean, that the pressure on uh, the quarterback, you know, seemingly got worse as the season progressed. Um, yeah, it was a pretty disappointment there on the defensive side. And to add on to that, you know, I, I, we never got better at stopping the run. You know, as the season went on, you know, like Illinois was a great example. That That's a team that we should have just crushed, and they ran all over us. A.J. Bush... You know, good for that kid. He had a hell of a game. He ran all over us, though. Uh, that's an area that we just never got better. Derek, I definitely agree with the with the with the with both of what you guys said. Uh, especially the run defense. The run defense just it got worse and worse and worse. It seemed like as the year went on. I don't know if the players started getting wore out. We just didn't have enough run stop or. If the teams were getting better and we just couldn't stop them, or I don't know what the deal was, but the run defense definitely got worse. But one other improvement I kind of forgot to mention was the pass defense actually did get better. I mean, we weren't getting the pressure on the quarterback, but the coverage was so much better. Uh, yeah. You know, like Lamar Jackson getting benched and coming back and making it a good impact. Uh, Boodle kind of started getting hit, quit with his uh, pass interference calls and started turning his head around and. Ended up with 15 pass breakups, which we've talked about. Uh, pass defense got better overall as the as the year went on, just not the pass rush. And run defense was atrocious the whole year. Well, with the exception of Colorado and Northwestern, which both of them were terrible running teams. All right, let's talk about the best moment and lowest moment of the year. Uh, let's do the lowest moment first, Tyler. To me, it was the first half against Michigan. Um, that single half, you know, when we were going down in half by over 39 points at the second half, um, they scored 20 points in that first quarter. The fact that Shea Patterson only had to play one series because the game was so up over. I mean, you know, last year we had a lot of games under Mike Riley where we were not competitive. Derek, you pointed that out. Um, I, I don't know if there was a half last year or I've ever seen in my life as a Husker fan worse than that first half against Michigan. Uh, we were so non-competitive in that game. I mean, Adrian Martinez, he, he we had to bench him for his own safety. The kid went seven for five, <laughs> 15 for 22 yards and lost uh, with the interception and lost 12 yards rushing. He netted 10 yards and, it was basically a boxing fight where we had to pull him to save his life. I mean, it was it. I don't. I don't think it's hyperbole to say that was the worst half of football I've ever seen Nebraska play. Tyler, uh, although I don't disagree with what you're saying, but don't you remember the Big Twelve or Big Ten title game against Wisconsin? The first half of that. That's that was. At least we had that, that Taylor Martinez run. 
At least we had that one play that, like, <laughs> that that one play was more yards than we had the whole half against I cannot uh, believe you're Michigan. telling me this after watching Ohio State the last two years where they didn't punt the whole games for two years. And you're going to sit here and tell me you've never seen this bad, this bad of a half of football. Come on. This is the problem. Mike Riley numbed us so bad, and, and Bo Pelini a little bit too, have numbed us so bad to these blowout losses. They don't even affect me anymore. So I don't think Michigan was even close to the lowest point of this of the season. To me, the lowest point really? was yes. To me, the lowest point was Northwestern giving up a ten point lead with five minutes left in the game. That was pretty rough. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, that that was rough. I mean, that was oh god, that was disheartening there. Uh, you know, another low point uh, was. I want to say right, right in the very first game, Antonio Reed's penalty uh, there at the end of the game to cost us that game against Colorado. Uh, that was a low point there. I mean, it, it took a while to get that first win, but uh, I don't know if things would have changed against Troy, but that's a low point. Tyler? Well, I I, I mean, there are a lot that go through. I, I <laughs> I, I I think I I will also just say you know we ended the season on a low point um, you know uh, the fact that we end up losing to Iowa again um, especially in the fashion that we did I mean you know we we had tied the game up and our, the fact that our defense gave up that drive at the end of the game um, and, and gave up that last second field goal I mean that that's going to stick with us throughout the off season Derek. As disheartening as that game was, like Iowa owned us for the last three years. So at least we have, we're within a field goal, these guys. Uh, I get what you're saying. It sucked. I hated losing like that, especially when they went for it on a fourth and eight. I mean, we talked about this last week, so we don't need to get into it. But it was disheartening, but it wasn't near the low point for me at all. Another low point that occurred this season is just when you think think that your special teams could not get any worse, Caleb Lightborn <laughs> kicks the ball backwards on an onside kick. As funny as that was, oh my god, that was an all-time low has for any, special teams. Has any punter ever made not top ten twice in one year? Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> because he fell on his ass twice, and I'm pretty sure he made the not top ten both times. <laughs> he, he, I guarantee he did. Yes, I know he did. I, I saw both uh, ESPN not so top ten <laughs> featuring Caleb Lightborn. That's not the star that you want. Uh, all right. So enough of the low moments. Let's talk about the best moments here. Derek, give us the best moment. <sighs> I'm going to go with probably just the first win. It, it, it seemed to lift the it seemed to lift a lot of the weight of the world off of Scott Frost's shoulders. And he seemed to open up the playbook a lot better. It was a blowout win. We won with with good fashion, and it was PJ Fleck. So Justin ought to be happy because we kind of shoved his oar right up his ass. So, oh yeah, yeah, he wasn't rowing anything. Tyler, yeah, I'm going to go with that Michigan State win. 
you know, Michigan State wasn't the team that we thought they were, but I, I still think that was easily the best victory of the season. Um, but not only did the, the fact that we won, that was our best win, I would say the way we won that game. You know, I, I don't think any of us thought we were capable of winning a game like that at this point in the Scott Frost era. Um, and, and you, Derek, you mentioned a low moment with Antonio Reed. I mean, that, that kid played the game of his life um, that game, I mean, that was probably the most singular best defensive performance I've seen since Indominus Sue um, against Texas. I mean, he dominated that game. It, it was it, it was a nail-biting game. It was a fun game. It was, a, you know, a classic Big Ten game for what it's worth. But, you know, it, it proved, I think, to me at least, that the future of Scott Frost can take some of these defensive efforts and win when he has to are we there yet no but i mean four or five years down the road he he showed that this defensive staff can get a team together to win a game like that uh first off i think it was justin that mentioned antonio reed not me so i don't want to take credit for that uh but (laughs) but more importantly you're right tyler like that was the thing about this staff like I, i think everybody anticipated like my biggest thing, just you talked about that Colorado game. My, my biggest thing in that game was clock management towards the end. You know, yeah. drain some of the clock, but instead we're hiking the ball with 17 seconds left on the play clock. And, you know, it, it was a complaint of ours. And we, could we fix that? And, and that was a thing that I think Scott Frost did is he adapted a little bit to the Big Ten where, you know, against Ohio State we started having five-minute-long drives where we were scoring touchdowns. Uh, you know, and then you talk about the Michigan State game. We adapted and had to play great defense. And, and you could start, you could talk, talk about how bad Michigan State's offense was, but you know what? We still had to make plays on defense, and they did. And it, it was impressive. And it, it showed to me that Scott Frost can figure out to, a way to win a game no matter how the game is being played. And I think the future is very bright. For me, the best moment of the season uh, – was seeing Scott Frost's face after we got that first win at Minnesota. You know, there's a huge relief off his back. And what's further is seeing the expressions on some of the players' faces. You know, they kind of looked like they were happier for Scott Frost than they were about getting that win. So that I thought that was a really cool moment. Derek? Does, doesn't that, didn't that kind of give you more of the – and this is a feeling I don't think we've had in a long time – the feeling of like the Osborne days when actually the players were happier for the coach and the coach was for the players for getting wins. I mean, I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying as far as dominance goes. I'm just saying that feeling of the team being happy for the coach. I, I don't I don't think the players were ever happy for for Polini for getting wins. I think they were happy for themselves and, and, and every coach beyond that. I mean, Riley. I think I I really think they tried losing so they wouldn't have to do the hip hip hooray thing. Uh, <laughs> I know I would. That was stupid, man. Uh, you know, Cal- Callahan, that was just a, another mess at whatever. Solich, may- maybe it was with him a little bit, too. I don't I, I don't recall, but it, it was definitely, you could tell the players were happy for Frost. And it, and it, it warmed your heart a little bit. Derek, don't, don't forget that Tyler said that the hip, hip, hooray thing was pretty fun. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool, but let's get some. I, I I I like ice cream sundays. I think they're delicious. Uh, you're not going to convince me otherwise. You, you know, and I'll, I'll point out another one. You know, Mick Stolenberg after he had that interception and he got injured on that play, 
And, you know, you looked at him, and and he's a kid that, you know, through the Riley era, I thought always had a really good attitude. Um, definitely had Brace Frost. I, I enjoyed what he brought it from a senior leadership uh, standpoint. You know, he had that good play, and he got injured. And, you know, he looks like he's going to have to get carried off the field. And all of a sudden, he's just like, no, I'm walking off on my own terms. Um, and Scott Frost's face there. I mean, the the way that this coaching staff gelled with these players so quickly, um, it, it, it was really impressive. And you could tell Frost cared about him. You could tell, you know, it, it was a, you know, it was just a really cool moment to see that kind of embrace there. Um, yeah, I, I am a, I am a fan. I will put a little damper though on the uh, Frost first game though. Because the one thing that bothered me about that, and I think Frost would agree, is he got a Gatorade shower. Uh, can we save a Gatorade shower for a victory over a top twenty-five team? Like, can we? Can we? <laughs> like, can we have a little bit higher standards here? Yeah, that, that'll come. That will come. That will come. I, I get it. What, one last high point was, uh, to me at least, was uh, Divine and Ziggle getting his thousand yard. I, I thought that was cool. Uh, yeah. You know, we hadn't had it for three years. And it was a, it was from a guy that nobody expected to play. I mean, or not, I shouldn't say play, but nobody expected him to be the lead the lead runner at least. Well, well, that's an excellent segue, Derek. So let's talk about the offensive MVP right now. Who gets your offensive MVP? Oh, hands down, Adrian Martinez. Ooh, this okay. freshman, this freshman did things that were just unreal, guys. I mean. You realize he was 10th in the Big Ten in 10-yard carries or more, having 10 yards or more on a rush. That's out of all players, not quarterbacks, all players. He had 30 of them, was a t- had the 10th most. That's pretty impressive. He also threw the, the, the second most uh, completion percentage in Nebraska history at 64.5%. Uh, had, what was it, 3,600 yards of uh, total offense. Which is uh, like sixth or seventh in our uh, all-time record at Nebraska. Uh, the, the kid did some phenomenal things, and his future is super yep. bright. But absolutely, the, the the other probably biggest portion of it was how bad we played without him. Again, like in Troy, and maybe that was play calling. I think that probably had a lot to do with it too. But the guy was a game changer, and without him, I don't think we probably win any games this year. True. Tyler. Well, Derek, you kind of took my my guy. I, I'm going to go with Adrian Martinez, too. You know, you kind of talked to what he did in the Big Ten. Um, you know, it, it, in the history of Nebraska, he had the seventh most passing yards in a season. He had the fifth most total yards in the season. He broke the all-time freshman total yard record um, from Taylor Martinez. And you look at the way he ended the year. He three of his last four games going over 250 yards passing. This was a kid that going into the year had major concerns about how good a passer he was. And you know what? By the end of the year, I feel he may be a better passer than he was runner. Um, I, I, I cannot say enough about him. Um, Derek, you're right. He is hands down my offensive MVP. Yeah. 
Uh, go ahead, Derek. Uh, just just a couple more things. Uh, Tyler, you talked about some of those uh, being the fifth fifth most total offense. He also did that in eleven games. Uh, Taylor Martinez owns that record, but he did it in fourteen games, and he's got like six hundred yards on him. So I mean, I think he would have destroyed that if he had played in as many games as Taylor Martinez had played that year. Uh, he also has the had three four hundred total yard games this year, which was phenomenal because the only other player that's done that was uh, Joe Gans. And he broke the record for 300-yard games all-time at Nebraska. I mean, the, the kid just did things that no one no one anticipated. No one, no one expected him to be as good of a passer as what, as you stated, Tyler. No one expected him to be this good of a passer. We all knew he was in for his running ability. No one, no one thought he was going to throw the ball as well as he did. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Adrian Martinez, solid pick, but I just want to give a shout out to uh, Divine Azigbo. Derek, you touched on it earlier. He went over a thousand yards this year, twelve touchdowns. Uh, he just kept getting stronger and stronger. He started only nine games this year, but one of the things that gets lost in the stats, which is really impressive, and it gives him a lot of credit uh, to his running style. You know, he, he averaged seven yards a carry, but all year long. Do you know how many yards he lost running the ball? 18. 18 all year long. That is impressive. That dude just, he has a motor that just keeps going forward and forward. And, you know, he was one of these bigger bodied running backs where it was hard for people to see him fit in the system. And he just kept working and working. And it shows uh, today they released like the team awards and he got lifter of the year uh, award just He's relentless, and he's got that motor. Uh, so he's definitely up there for me for offensive MVP. Derek? Uh, just, he was awesome, and I, I love that kid. And I, I, but one other stat I want to throw out there for Adrian Martinez is he only threw eight interceptions this year. That's like a Saturday yeah. for uh, Tanner, Tanner Lee. So, uh, let's, let's, let's leave Tanner Lee alone. That kid's, that, that, he, he suffered enough. Yeah, they play for Mike Riley. Um, no, I, I I will say that the guy that none of us have mentioned and shocking, and I I gotta get him in here, Stanley Morgan. Um, Stanley Morgan is the first wide receiver in Nebraska history to go over a thousand yards. I mean, you can make a very strong argument that he is the greatest Nebraska wide receiver of all time. Um, now, I mean, I mean, he he has the two best single seasons. Um, the kid was a professional this year. Yeah, you know his, his attitude was great across the board. You know he uplifted JD Spielman when JD Spielman outperformed him. He, he was he was the guy late in the year when Spielman got injured when he was being double covered. Um, I mean the guy made play after play. And the thing about him that doesn't show up on the sh- doesn't show up on the stat sheet is one thing I love is what he did after he caught the ball. I mean he wasn't. A burner. He didn't run by someone, but my God, was he hard to tackle in open field? I mean, he was constantly pushing contact. He has a little bit of a fullback in him the way he would embrace it. Um, I, I I cannot say enough about what he did. Um, you know, he would be my runner up to the MVP award. But kudos to him and the way he left Nebraska. For what it's worth, he was my number two as well. And the the only reason I had to put him number two is if it wasn't for Adrian Martinez, I don't think he gets a thousand yards rushing. Or, I'm sorry, receiving. receiving. Sorry. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, 
yeah, all, all th- I think all three guys are well deserving. Those guys are were huge impacts, and they are the reason that uh, this offense just uh, excelled so much. I mean, couldn't do it without either one of those guys. All right, let's get to the defensive side of the ball. Defensive MB- MVP, Tyler. Well, so before the season, I came on and I said I made a kind of a bold prediction. And I said, Muhammad Barry was going to be my defensive MVP this year. And you know what? I stand by it. Muhammad Barry is our defensive MVP this year. Um, obviously, as many people know, he led the team in tackles. He led the team in solo tackles by 10 more solo tackles than the next guy. Um, he had 11 tackles for loss, which was second on the team, only behind, behind Luke Gifford. Um, you know, I, I think the guy... Not only what he did on the stat sheet when he led, but there was no defensive player that symbolized what it means to be a black shirt more than Muhammad Barry this year. Um, the kid played with heart all year. He did a great job coming off blocks and tackling an open field. Um, yeah, he, he is the guy that I would give hands down my defensive MVP to. Right. Derek? Ah, you, you stole it, Tyler. You stole, you stole my thunder. Uh, yeah, Mo Barry, the guy was a leader. He had 100. You, you, you talk about he had 112 tackles uh, this year. That is the most since Zaire Anderson back in 2014. Because Mike Riley's teams never had 100 tackles team uh, players. Uh, and that 112 was actually the most since Levante David had 133 back in two, 2011. Is that right? If I remember right. Uh, so. He did good things, but it wasn't even so much as tackling or anything he did specifically. It just as it was his leadership. It was like Tyler said, it, he he was the epitome of what a black shirt's supposed to be. The guy that never gives up. His motor's always going, and he doesn't make get dumb penalties. He didn't. He he just led, and he did it the right way. I'm going to throw out a name here. Uh, yeah, I agree with Mo Berry. Yeah, defensive MVP, sure, uh, absolutely. But uh, I'm going to throw out Luke Gifford. I got to give him a little bit of credit here. You know, uh, he led the team in tackles for loss at 13 and in sacks, five and a half sacks. That guy, he made a lot of great plays. He didn't have as many total tackles as Mo Berry. He didn't have the motor, uh, but very few black shirts have that motor of Mo Berry. But I thought Luke Gifford was a very solid guy on that defensive linebacking core. I, I would have thrown DiCaprio Boodle in there had he been able to just come up with a turnover or two. The or 15, turn his the, head. The, 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 turnover, the 15 pass breakups is second most in Nebraska history, which was pretty cool. I mean, the guy did. He, 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 was, he turned into a shutdown corner. He just couldn't intercept the ball. Yep. And if he could have intercepted yeah. the ball a few times – I probably would have thrown him his name in there, but all right. Let's talk about most improved on the team uh, from start of the season to the end of the season, Derek. I'm going to stick with Pickering on this one. I, I think that was the biggest improvement, and it won us a game or two, or at least one game, I guess. Uh, the kid, the kid had me nervous every time he came on the field. I didn't think he was going to do anything good. He finished the year 40 for 41 on, on extra points. Uh, he finished the year 14 for 18 on 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 field goals. 
I, I don't think anybody improved more than that guy, to me at least. Yeah. That's a great pick. You know, sometimes those special teams guys, they get lost in the shuffle. Uh, Tyler. I, I'm going to go with your offensive MVP, Justin, uh, Divine Zigbo. You know, we already talked about where he came into the year as. I mean, he came in the year, um, you know, second on the depth chart running back behind Greg Bell. You know, through the first three games, he had 90 yards rushing. And for him to break a 1,000, that just shows the progression he made. You know, he, he started that game at Purdue, ran for 170, and never looked back. Um, yeah, Divine Zigbo, I think, uh, you know, from what where he started this year, what brought him into this year, and all that history, um, yeah, he, he is my most improved this season. I'm going to throw out a name here. He may not have the defensive statistics to back it up completely, but I want to say Lamar Jackson. Uh, that guy was a guy that he was easy to pick on uh, because he kind of got burned and he got benched. And at a time where a lot of people thought that he was going to be one of those guys that was going to transfer along with Greg Bell uh, and uh, Tajon Lindsay, he stuck through. He stuck with the program. And eventually, after a couple games, he earns his starting spot back. And he became the lockdown corner that we all wanted to see him be. And for being everything that he's gone through this entire year, that is very admirable because he, I'm sure he had a lot of dark times, you know, with what people were saying and losing his position, not playing. So kudos to that dude. Can I just say that the fact that we just picked one player from each phase of the game shows how much we truly improved throughout the season. Yeah. For, I, for, for Tyler saying we didn't improve that much overall, I, I think the fact that you could pick one guy from each phase of the game and say that we improved, and to me, I think that shows big improvement as, as, a, as, as an overall. There were things that still needed yeah, yeah, improved, I mean, but... Yeah, you know, we started the year seventy uh, fourth in the defense. Uh, defense, so that's the first part of the season. We ended the year ninety six in total defense. I think, I think there were some segments of this team that got worse as the year went on, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I there, there's another name that I had down here for most improved, uh, only because I thought I was for sure you guys would take Lamar Jackson, uh, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, is Antonio Reed. Uh, the type of year that he had from uh, his penalty costing us the game at Colorado all the way to what he did to, to uh, the final four games. Uh, you talked, Tyler, I think you talked about Michigan State. Seven tackles, one sack, three tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, an interception, two pass breakups. Uh, he also had seven tackles against Ohio State and six tackles against Iowa. He had almost half of his tackles on the year in the final four games. That is a huge improvement. And he's one of those guys where he turned it on at the end of the season. And you're kind of like, wow, where was this dude in the beginning of the year? So that was awesome. Tyler. Yeah, I, I think that's a great pick. Um, I, 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 I really do. But I do want to go back, um, you know, to your, your original pick of Lamar Jackson. I mean, he was definitely a consideration for me. And you guys already kind of hit this, but I just have to echo. I mean, to say fans had turned on him 
was an understatement. I don't know if there was a player on this roster that had gotten more grief in the first half of the season than Lamar Jackson. Can't I think there was a okay. There, there, there was a you know a there, there was a nice chunk of Husker Nation that probably was hoping Lamar Jackson was going to transfer. Yeah. And and not only did he stick with it, he, he proved to be a really good player. And I don't know if you guys saw this today, but you know, he posted a picture of him in the gym today, right back in work. I mean, I, I am looking forward to this kid doing some big things next year. Yeah, I, I'm glad he's back uh, next year as well. Derek? I, I just want to say, we need to start a new game that every time Justin tries to make a Caleb Lightborn joke, everybody has to drink. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, to be fair, we might be done. I mean, I, I can't <laughs> imagine Caleb Lightborn taking many more meaningful snaps. Yeah. Justin will, ne- Justin will never forget his negative yard kicking or punting. Those jokes will always come true. Which one's worse, the 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 kickoff or the punt from his freshman year? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I don't know. The, he the, has the kickoff. Bl- the kickoff was more funny because he fell on his arse doing it. He has a blooper reel from hell. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the world's worst blooper. He's like, Dad, did you play college football? Why, yes, son. Look at my highlight film. <laughs> I I feel bad for. Him. I I know we pick on him a lot. And, and probably some of it's rightfully so, but I mean, I, I do feel a little sorry for him. I mean, God, I mean, I, I know he's a Division One athlete on scholarship. I mean, it's kind of hard, but man, that kid, I he's got some bad moments. If, and if you really do feel bad for him. If Charlie Brown grew up and went to the University of Nebraska, <laughs> Caleb Whiteboard is what Charlie Brown would be. You know, I mean, but you love Charlie Brown. You gotta love him. Yeah, you know, I mean, Lucy's out there on the football field pulling the football away from him. We're we're gonna get hate mail for talking about the punter too much again. Okay, all right. So, (laughs) yeah, uh, hey, delete all that, Derek. Anyway, hey, which senior would you love to see come back for one more year in this Scott Frost offense, defense, whatever on, on this team in 2019, Tyler? I'm going to go with Stanley Morgan. You know, I kind of hit on him a little bit with my offensive MVP when talking about him as my runner-up. But not only is he arguably the best wide receiver Nebraska's ever had, um, not only did he show great leadership this year, um, he's also at a position that I'm really worried about next year, our wide receiver. Um, I, I, I think J.D. Spielman being the guy is a little concerning if he can handle all those targets, I mean, we've seen him get banged up. Um, I think Stanley Morgan would be a huge addition, but I honestly think if he came back another year with Adrian Martinez, I mean, he may lead the nation in wide in receiving yards. Um, he could put up amazing numbers. I, I am so, so uh, disappointed that he only got one year under uh, this coaching staff. Uh, Derek? Uh, you know... Stanley Morgan was definitely up there for me. I, I'm going to go with uh, Divina Zigbo. I, I think that guy, he he impressed me. He was the biggest surprise of the team for me. He was our first 1,000-yard rusher over the last four seasons. 
granted, our last staff didn't run the ball enough to get a thousand yard rusher, but but he he impressed me so much. And and it's not so much that, but it's also what's coming back. I, Tyler, you talk about depth, but man, I I love Maurice Washington. I think he's going to be a great back, but I don't know if he can be our every down back as small as he is. And I hope that Zach Duvall can put some weight on him and become a little more powerful. But that guy, I, I, besides them too, I don't know what we have right now, and, that, and that's a little concerning. So I would have to go with the Zigbo. Great points on Devonta Zigbo. I completely agree with you there. Uh, just seeing what he did this year and knowing, you know, that we don't have a lot coming back, or there's a lot of question marks coming back next year at the running back slot, and just knowing how effective he was, uh, that does concern me. I wish he could come back. And Tyler, uh, you talk about uh, Stanley Morgan. Uh, you know, there was a part in uh, the beginning of the year. He wasn't really utilized to his fullest potential. Uh, the first three or four games, you know, I kind of had thoughts in my head. It's like, wow, do you think maybe Stanley Morgan has regretted coming back? And he stuck with it, and he just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger each game. Tyler? Justin, I, I, I got to call a little bullshit here. Uh, because you have always hated Stanley Morgan. Uh, I, I, I am shocked that you are not celebrating he is leaving. You think he is so overrated. No, uh, that's, you that's do. true. You 100% do. Is Stanley Morgan among the best wide receivers you've ever seen where playing at Nebraska? Yes, he's one of them. How far down? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's not fair. But, you know, last year... This is, for the listeners, this all stems from last year's conversation where I was the only one that disagreed that Stanley Morgan was the best wide receiver on the team. I felt that J.D. Spielman was the best wide receiver on the team. Uh, this year, you know, uh, Stanley Morgan had one hell of a season. But you know what? J.D. Spielman had one hell of a season, too. And he sat out, what, two games this year? And I don't think he was f- far behind. He, he definitely could have had 1,000 yards receiving himself. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, uh, but he, he was up there too. But you know what? I don't, want to do, I don't want to take away from what Stanley Morgan did this year. His leadership was superb. Uh, he was a true leader out there. Uh, he fought for every single yard. He was clutch catching. Uh, my biggest complaints about Stanley Morgan last year was – he dropped a lot of damn balls, and he did. He dropped a lot of damn balls. He didn't do that this year. He was clutch. So, well, and I, yeah, I, 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 I will walk back my statements from last year. Well, let me let me just throw out. Yeah, you're right about J.D. Spielman not being much behind uh, Stanley Morgan. I mean, Stanley Morgan averaged 83 yards a game. Uh, J.D. Spielman averaged 81.8. Okay. So I mean, they, they they put up comparable numbers. Actually, JD Spillen actually had one more touchdown. Um, you could ar- you know you could argue he was a little bit more dynamic throughout the year too um, on some of his plays. I mean, you know his average reception is a lot lower than uh, Stanley Morgan, but that's because they ran a lot of uh, you know swing passes to him. Um, yeah, yeah, JD Spielman is definitely in the conversation of the gap isn't big, but I, ju- I just had to address your overall hate. For Stanley Morgan. 
It was a perceived hate because I perceived J.D. Spielman as the best wide receiver last year, not Stanley Morgan. It was based off of production. It was, oh, my God, Tyler, you're going to fire me up again. Derek, get in here. <laughs> All right, well, first off, I want to kind of go back where you talked about uh, – Stanley Morgan being underutilized in the first three or four games. I, the same thing could be said for for a Zigbo. Like the guy didn't play a lot in the first three or four yeah, games. You're right. You're right. Uh, but the reason I picked a Zigbo over Morgan is as the season went on, and, and it did get better throughout the year when it came to receiving. Like we didn't use our tight ends at all in the first part of the season. In the later part of the season, we started using Jack Stoll a little more and Austin Allen a little more. Uh, when when Spielman was out. Cade Warner stepped up a little bit. I mean, he's not going to be a burner. He's not going to be a great receiver, but he stepped up a little bit. So to me, I think there's there's some answers there. Where running back, I don't see. I don't. I, I don't. I'm sure somebody will step up. I just don't know who and where they're going to come from right now. Well, and, and Derek, that's a great point, and and you might be right. Running back going into 2019 is probably the the position I'm most nervous on. But I'm going to go back to that Stanley Morgan thing. I, I just, I think what he demanded from a secondary preparation, it it really helped uh, Adrian Martinez get a lot more open guys. You look at J.D. Spielman's production. Um, I feel that he got a lot more one-on-one coverages because I think they were doubling Stanley Morgan a lot. I think he was that guy that just really demanded this offense and it. It's yet to be seen. I, I, Adrian Martinez is a great quarterback, and he's going to continue to develop. But I really think his ability to, to really have to be game-planned around is one of the reasons why Adrian Martinez had such a productive season, um, especially with throwing the ball. Well, I, I, hate to sound, I hate to sound Justin-like on this, but had Stanley Morgan played all 12 games instead of just playing 10, he might have been the first 1,000-yard rusher instead of uh, – J.D. Spielman. Or J.D. Spielman, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, he, he was the go-to guy. And maybe you're right, Tyler. Maybe maybe defenses were preparing more for Stanley Morgan and leaving Spielman open. Then, and if that's the case, then those defenses are dumb. Because J.D. Spielman proved last year that he could, he could do a lot of damage. And he proved it again for the first eight or nine games this year until they started focusing on him. Well, I mean, he, I mean at the end of the day, while the numbers are comparable, it's not like Stanley Morgan did average more yards per game than J.D. Spielman. I mean, it, you know, it, it's the, it was close, but the production is there. I mean, it, it's very similar across the board. And, and again, receptions I don't even look at because how many swing passes J.D. Spielman caught. I, I think it, the production, I, I think when you look at downfield, it was definitely Stanley Morgan was the primary receiver. And just just the last point, and again, that's why we should be more concerned about running back, because we know J.D. Spielman's coming, and we know he's he's just a, at least as good as Morgan was. Uh, running back, Maurice Washington had four hundred yards, four hundred and sixty yards rushing. Our, our our next best rusher was Adrian Martinez, and he had six hundred yards rushing. I, there wasn't anybody close to what Zigbo did. Well, you know. Derek, to, the, to that point right there, I think that is why both guys are valid uh, picks. And it's because 
if you look at the receiving yards, you have Stanley Morgan and then you have J.D. Spielman. The next two guys on that receiving list are running backs. Uh, Maurice Washington and then a Zigbo. I mean, Jack Stoll comes in fifth in receiving yards. That's a tight end. We Then Cade Warner, you got to go down six places before you get to the next wide receiver that led for receiving yards. I mean, we are not deep in wide at wide receiver at all. Uh, they're not playing. A, they didn't play a lot of wide receivers. They damn sure didn't throw to a lot of wide receivers this year. So that is an area of cons- concern. Both both guys are picks. I wish both guys could come back next year, just based off of depth. But Derek, I, I agree that the wide receiver is still an area of concern. I just think we have a lot of them coming in who can hopefully we get developed and, and use more. Uh, and I think I think at, as the year ended, it, it, I don't know. I didn't really look it up. But if you, what was the stats on Jack Stoll for the first half of the season compared to the second half of the season? Because we targeted him a lot more in the second half of the season than we did the first. The first half of the uh, season, it was like Spielman and Morgan. That was the only two people we'd throw to, it seemed like. Yeah. Well, I, 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 mean, I don't have those numbers. But he only had 21 catches all year long. And I would venture to say probably 18 of those came through the second half of the season. Okay, so that's three a game, even at that. At that, but but it was Tyler. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say I, I don't have the exact numbers. I know that he had um, he had uh, over 25 percent, so 30. I think it was like 25 or 30 percent of his receptions in the final two games. So I mean, it, it was definitely something that I don't know about the whole second half, but. I mean, and then again, when you're talking 21, you're not talking a lot, but he has six yeah, receptions in the final. He had six receptions in the final two games. I mean, okay. it, it, I mean, I, I, and I'm excited for him, Derek. I, I'm not. I, I think he is going to be a bigger factor. I think you know next year we're going to have a lot of time to talk about this. I think there are a number of guys that can contribute next year. Um, I, I agree with you that running back's a bigger concern. I just think we've had other thousand yard rushers. We've had other good running backs. We've had many more running backs that are more uh, um, that are better than Divine Zigbo. But Stanley Morgan has been a special wide receiver his whole tenure. I don't think we will replace him so easily. All right, so I'm looking at this right now as we talk right now, and this is I think this is interesting to me at least. How many wide receivers did Nebraska have with double digit receptions this year? Anybody want to take a guess? Four. Three. Four. Yeah, okay. We, we did have four. Uh, we talked about the Stanley Morgan, 70. J.D. Spielman, 66. Cade Warner had 17. And Mike Williams had 12. I mean, that's not a lot of experience that we have returning. Well, the, you know, Justin, I'm going to just throw one more thing out there. And, and that's really bad. But look after that. I mean, we only had one more wide receiver that's coming back that had a reception. Yeah, you're right. That's true. So I mean, it, I mean, we had we're gonna have four guys returning at wide receiver that had a reception last next year or last year. Okay, two of those uh, guys it, had it, one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it, it, it's going to be. Uh, Here's the thing. I think we have depth. I think we'll be fine. I think we got some guys coming in. 
I, I'm, I'm not going to destroy that position. Derek, I think you're, you're right. Running back's more of a concern. Um, I, Justin, you kind of put a bow on this earlier. We probably could have left it there. But, I mean, both of these guys had great years. And if we had both of them back next year, man, we might actually be competing for a Big Ten West title. Um, I, I think that that would be a huge, huge advantage if we had both of them back next year. All right, guys, we got to move on here. Uh, on Sunday, the college football playoff, the committee, they named their top four teams to play in the play, uh, playoff. Number one, Alabama versus number four, Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. Number two, Clemson versus uh, three, Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl. To round out the top eight, you had number five, Georgia. Number six, Ohio State. Number seven, Michigan. And number eight, UCF. Tyler, did they get this right? Not only did they get this right, I think this was probably the easiest decision they have had to make. You know, Oklahoma clearly, to me, was the fourth best team in this. There was a lot of talk about Georgia, whether or not they should have been on it. And that, frankly, pisses me off. It pisses me off because Georgia's best victory was against Florida. Florida is about a comparable team to Texas. So not only is their best victory not any better than Oklahoma's. They have two losses and not a conference championship. Like, if people want to start arguing this eyeball bullshit test out there and start saying, Georgia looks really good because of Alabama, then let's get rid of the playoffs and just start crowning teams like we did back in the 80s, and you just start using this eyeball test and have no bull alliances and just crown Alabama because them losing to Alabama does not make them warrant a playoff spot. This is bullshit. I, I shame on anyone who says Georgia should be in the playoffs. <laughs> Derek, well, I tend to agree that they probably got it right. For you to sit here and talk about uh, Florida being comparable to Texas, isn't that pretty much Oklahoma's best win at the end That's of the year? That's my point. That's my point. They had the same best win. Okay, so they had I mean, the same best win. Isn't Michigan getting beat by 62 to 34 a better win when they were a top four team at the time and still finished in the top 10? Like, that's a way better win. Uh, Georgia should have finished well behind Ohio State. Ohio State, Oklahoma, that, that argument could go on for probably a decade, I think. Uh, Oklahoma's loss was way better than Ohio State's loss. I get it. Uh, Ohio State has a way better win than than Oklahoma does. I, Whatever. T- to me, you're right, Tyler. Oh, Georgia should have never been in this conversation. You, you can't put a two-loss team in who lost to the in the conference championship. Justin, you always like to say the conference championship is part of the playoff and that the loser should be eliminated from the playoff. And yet here we are talking about if Alabama loses this game, they should be in because they're still one of the best teams in the country, even though they lost in this what should be a elimination game. And then... If Georgia loses, apparently we're still talking about them being in with two with two losses. Like, yeah. come on, guys, just come on. UCF should be way higher than what they are. They shouldn't be in the playoff, but they should probably be in the top. They should be probably be six and behind. And I think they should be ahead of Georgia. Georgia should be down to seventh or eighth. Yeah, I agree. Uh, ultimately, I think as far as the top four goes, is a no brainer. They got it right. They were the committee. You know, they, they had a gift this year. It was easy to pick the top four teams. Uh, the next four, however you shuffle them, 
I mean, Jesus, if we had an eight-team playoff, I would hate to think how these teams would be shuffled, but we don't have to worry about that this year. I, I'm shocked that the committee kept Georgia at number five with two losses, but uh, in the end, they got it right, so there's not going to be any controversy. So uh, we, we all wanted to – well, th- there is, but you know what? It, it doesn't matter. After the top four, nobody cares about the rest of the rankings. Nobody cares about where those teams end up in this. It's it doesn't matter. You're right. All all no. anybody cares about after that is just good matchups. We just want to see good matchups. Yeah. It, and and I'll tell you this. I think the playoffs are going to be very, very exciting. I I you know I watched that Alabama really? Georgia game. I I think Oklahoma is going to give Alabama. A little bit to handle. I think Kyler Murray is going is going to run all over that Bama defense. Now, I don't know who's playing quarterback for Bama in that matchup, and we'll get to this probably a different date. But like, I if Jalen hurts, man, I don't know if Bama's going to be able to keep up with uh, Oklahoma. Alabama's defense won't be able to stop anybody. I'm struggling to figure out who the hell I'm supposed to root against. I hate all four of these teams. <laughs> Jesus, I. I couldn't pick four worst teams to be in the playoffs for me to root for. Pleasant. The only thing you can maybe Pleasant. do is throw Florida Pleasant. State in there. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, well, first of all, Texas would be way worse if it, if Texas and Iowa beat out. Like if if mm-hmm. if that could if those two. That, that I, don't, I don't hate. Worse, I don't hate either one of those teams as much as I do Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, and Notre Dame. Those are the teams I've, I grew up told I was supposed to hate, and I've hated them since I was told I was supposed to hate them. What Clemson do to you? Jr. used to hate Clemson. He used to tell me all the time to hate him, so <laughs> I stick with Jr. All right, well, well, we'll talk about these matchups here at a later date, but it's time to get out of here, guys. But before we do, it's time for last call. Uh, no topic is off limits. Last call to you, Tanner. My last call is on some recent roster additions Nebraska has. Um, first, Jamin uh, Graham, who is a six-four uh, defensive end. Uh, this kid has an eighty-five-inch wingspan. This kid could be a great prospect at defensive end. And the one that we got today, uh, older brother of Damian Daniels, Darren Daniels, a grad transfer from Oklahoma State. Uh, he was the number 20th defensive tackle, a uh, four-star coming out of high school. Huge addition to our defensive line. That defensive line could be nasty next year. Derek. You say huge because he's six foot three, 300 pounds. However, I hope he's a little tougher. The guy broke his pinky apparently and couldn't play all of, all of last season. So toughen up a little <laughs> bit. Col- Colton McCoy, or Colt McCoy, had his finger dislocated and had it had went on the sideline, had it pulled forward to put it back in place and went That's back Chris into the Sims. game. Was it Chris that Sims? Was Chris okay. Sims. Okay. Yep. I apologize. I had the wrong player. Chris Sims did that. Uh, you you were out with a hurt pinky. That is the worst thing. That's the worst injury I've ever heard of a player sitting out on. That's 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 probably worse than Taylor Martinez kicking a locker and getting quote unquote turf toe. You know, Ronnie Lott back in the 80s, he had his uh, pinky smashed. And he cut the tip off tip of his pinky off so he could play at the beginning of the following season. 
Where's the love for the sport? This staff wants guys that love football. Cut that freaking finger off so you can play, okay? The staff wants people that loves football. If you're not, if you're sitting out for a hurt pinky, I don't know why we're going after this guy. Derek, last call to you. All right. So uh, before I get into the last call, I just want to talk about something we didn't talk about in this episode was I kicked your guys' asses for a third straight year in the pick'em. Thank you. I left that out on purpose. I, I didn't. I didn't let you do it. You, I, th- I did the, you, the anonymous three beat. One game. I don't care. You, you can win by an inch or a mile, but a win's a win, baby. I still won. That's a three peat, boys. Come after me next year. Uh, we were all within two games of each other. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, a win's a win. Game. The, the, the reality is the guest kick our ass. Next year, we will have redemption against the guest. All right, so t- Tyler, tell us what what the actual results of the the uh, the pick'em was. Gosh, the right page. I won by one so, game. That's all that matters. So, so our guest finished the year fifty six and twenty seven. Derek, you were fifty one and thirty two, and Justin and I were both fifty and thirty three. I came on strong at the end, and Justin choked it away. He went like, like six and like six in the final two weeks, and I only missed one game for the strong comeback to tie him. Uh, yeah, Justin, uh, Justin, Justin kind of won the tiebreaker though. He picked the basketball game at halftime this score. <laughs> I knew that. That fire, does yeah. not count. <laughs> All right, so for I'll, on to my last call. So I'm for sorry. the listeners out there that have no idea what we're talking about, uh, <laughs> Tyler and I finished in a dead heat for the season, and Tyler tried to pull this stupid-ass argument that he won a tiebreaker about Nebraska picking the score prediction for Nebraska when he didn't even pick Nebraska in, every, in most games. Anyway, so it, it came down to... Uh, the basketball game against Illinois, a score prediction contest. And I didn't see the text until halftime. So I gave my pick at halftime. And I was like, I picked 74 to 69 and it was 75 to 60. Yeah, I won that. So Tyler's in third place. (laughs) Anyway, last call to you, Derek. We got to get out of here. All right. Uh, So the news came out this morning that, Hey, I called it. Urban Meyer retires. Go figure. This is this is not a surprise. They hired Ryan Day to take his place, or I don't know if you want to say hire, but he's his successor, which was their offensive coordinator. And I'm actually more scared of Ohio State now than I was when Urban Meyer was there. You realize when Ryan Day was taking over that job, they beat uh, Oregon State like seventy-seven to seven. They beat TCU like forty-two to twenty-four. Urban Meyer comes back, and all of a sudden they start struggling. Uh, I tell you what, I'm not sure if it's a great hire, but he definitely had more control of that team than what Urban Meyer appeared to have. Well, if I was a gambling man, which I am, but if I had a nickel, my nickel would be on Zach Smith having some other additional dirt on Urban Meyer and Zach Smith knowing that he will never coach again, that he was willing to spill the beans on Urban Meyer if he did not step down and get away from coaching. 
That's the conspiracy theory that I'm sticking with because it makes full sense because Zach Smith is batshit crazy, and so is Urban Meyer. That's about as bad as a take as the player of the people out there saying that Urban Meyer is retiring because he's scared to play Nebraska. Stop. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. Yeah. Urban Meyer is a friend of 4-8 and eight team. Tyler, get in on this. So I, I, I don't know about what your take is, Justin, but what I will say is I don't think Urban Meyer is done coaching. I think he is popping back up in a year or two at either a Notre Dame, which he has said is his dream job, or maybe a USC when they finally get rid of Clay Helton. I don't think this guy is done. If he truly is retiring and it's seriously health-related, I feel bad. But my God, this guy has cried wolf so many times. I yeah. don't believe it. I think he'll be back on the sideline. I disagree, Derek. I think he is a great coach. I hope he stays retired. And who I think hopes he stays retired the most is Jim Harbaugh because uh, he couldn't be Urban Meyer if his life depended on it. Before we move on, I know we got to move on, but isn't it kind of depressing that that Meyer's leaving? Like that was the one thing the Big Ten actually had was we have the best coaches, and now we're starting to lose them. And, and Jim Harbaugh's psycho, and he's probably going to jump ship to the NFL at any minute. Who knows? And I, I hate I, to lose the guys. I think he's a he's a lying, despicable human being. So I, yeah. Sp- speaking of USC, did you guys see that they hired? Uh, Cliff Kingsbury to be their offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's a great, great pickup by him. Great pickup. All right, last call to me, uh, and I promise we'll be done after this. Uh, I, I got to stay true to form. Nebraska ball uh, this week. Nebraska enters the uh, the polls at number twenty four in the AP and twenty five in the coaches. They whooped up on Illinois on uh, Sunday night. Uh, also of interest, uh, for what it's worth, you know, this is just casual entertainment. Joe Lenardi has Nebraska as a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament, which is kick-ass. I like it. Uh, thoughts, Tyler? Yeah, I, I'm pumped where this team is right now. I, I love everything about it. Um, they're a fun team to watch, and uh, go Big Red. Derek? Six seed has to be better than five seed because five seeds always lose to twelve seeds. So, I suppose in that aspect, it's pretty good. Uh, th- this team's got to get better on these lulls. I think we're going five minutes at a time or seven minutes at a time without scoring, and eventually it's going to catch up to us. So we got to stop that. We got to fix that. Other than that, this team looks really, really good, and we got to keep Roby out of foul trouble, which seems to happen every single week. Well, we got we have a Minnesota tomorrow night. Uh, at Minnesota, so that's going to be that's going to be an interesting game. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but it's time to get out of here. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, amongst others. All feedback is welcome. Even hate mail. Tyler embraces it. Let us know how you like the show. Please share our episodes. Help us get our show out there. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week, and as always, go Big Red.